good morning. This is Kurt Sumner, your host of NSPS Radio Hour, and we were just joking around with David at the radio station there a few moments ago. Today it's the Kurt and Kurt Show. I'm not sure if we've ever done this before, Kurt. So <laughs> welcome to the show. My my guest today is, is Kurt Bynum. Uh, I appreciate you being on the show, Kurt, and uh, I probably a lot of the people in the audience are aware of the fact that, that we attempted this a while back when I... Uh, stupidly forgot that we were going to be on the air one day, and uh, we had promoted you being on the show, and then I, I did put a an apology in the in the newsletter the next week. But I appreciate you being willing to come back and and join me. Oh, I'm I'm uh, very happy to be with you. As, as I told you earlier, my only regret when your show was count, uh, canceled, had to reschedule, is uh, I, I dressed up that day so I'd look nice on the radio. Yeah, that's the good part about radio. We, <laughs> we don't have to worry too much. I could be sitting here that, in my jammies, I guess. I guess, unless we're one of those radio shows that ends up getting televised. You, know, you see those every now and then. Yeah, i got to check the place for cameras every once in a while. but I don't, Supposed I don't, to be on the radio no, show. No, I'm very glad to be with you. Yeah, I appreciate it. We, uh, Kurt and I began our conversation here a while back. We, we've been put together by our, our mutual friend Doug Comer over at Kentucky Association of Professional Surveyors and and uh, I I get all the email that comes through that society because I've been active with them, not as a surveyor in, in Kentucky by any stretch of the imagination, because I attend a lot of their conferences and and they talk like I do, so um, th- they embraced me maybe better than some other parts of the country might. <laughs> but uh, I, I do get all the correspondence going back and forth, and, and I saw some correspondence that were you, Kurt, were... Uh, mm-hmm involved in it and it sparked my interest um in in what you guys are doing out there uh, with your with your uh, consortium mm-hmm. so i thought maybe it'd be a good thing to talk with our audience about how that all occurred and what it's doing and i i guess maybe one of the first questions is is it is what you're doing somewhat unique or is this going on in a lot of different places well i think it's i think it's fairly unique in kentucky Anyway, I can't speak for the rest of the country, but uh, uh, GIS mapping, surveying is a is very big deal here in uh, in Louisville. Um, it's it's how most of our public agencies, utilities, law enforcement, property assessors, so forth, uh, their work is is GIS centric. So uh, uh, it's a pretty big deal here. Was it um, uh, difficult? I guess maybe is a good t- good word to use to get everybody engaged it seems to me sometimes when people try to do what you succeeded at doing they end up having difficulty getting all the the respective players for lack of a better right. term on board and and seeing the benefit of it or or just accepting the concept well we're, we were pretty fortunate here we had some uh, uh, visionary leadership um, to, to use a trite term maybe, but um, back in the mid-1980s, um, our sewer district here was faced with some pretty big challenges. First of all, they were uh, uh, taking over uh, unified stormwater management authority for our entire county, Jefferson County, uh, where Louisville is. Um, prior to that, we had, we had, at the time, we had a separate city-county government that had their own public works, and we had I think at the time something like 90 suburban cities, um, 
and uh, parts of Jefferson County don't drain very well, and they were dealing with issues of uh, stormwater management. So the political leaders at the time decided, you know, one agency rather than 100 is, is a better way to, to tackle uh, stormwater problems. Uh, floodwaters don't respect any kind of political boundaries, so it affected our entire community. That and the fact that uh, there was a big need, um, huge need, to expand uh, MSDs or Metropolitan Sewer Districts, um, sanitary sewer service area. So there was a big demand. A lot of uh, areas of our, our county were, were developing. Uh, and frankly, there were parts of our county that uh, in the heat of summer just didn't smell very, very good. So those two issues, uh, um, unified stormwater management authority plus a massive need for sewer expansion, any and all of those projects required really good surveying and mapping. So the sewer district decided to take on, look, we're going to map every square inch of Jefferson County. And um, MSD's executive director at the time, I think, came from Lexington. Fayette County was public works director there. And they had started kind of a CAD data sharing, information sharing uh, idea there. And he brought that notion here and, and took the approach that, you know, if we build it, what's the if you build it, they will come. If we take a partnership approach with this and involve other players in the feasibility study, implementation planning, and so forth, and get the foundation built to get off on the right foot, that other partners uh, would see value in what was being built and would come on board. And that's, that's essentially what happened. So it, when I looked at the, the map on, on your website, I see... Uh, a lot of counties around the area, mm -hmm. and then there's sort of a, a a boundary, if you will, around looks like about 25 districts or something, mm -hmm. uh, 26 districts, I guess it is, and um, those are the ones that are in your database. Is that am I understanding? Well, that right? to a certain extent, uh, here in Jefferson County, um, I think at last count there's something like 800 map layers or spatial databases in our GIS. We have data sharing agreements with uh, other counties, Bullock County, Oldham County in particular. And we have collected um, base data, aerial imagery, some boundary data, so forth, uh, largely through um, the State Office of uh, Information Technology, um, the, the State Division of Geographic Information. So it's publicly available data that we've kind of incorporated into a regional GIS of sorts. But we do have uh, formal data sharing agreements, cooperative agreements with Bullock County and Oldham County. And in, in, I can't remember which layer I was looking at at one point, but I was looking at the layer where it was showing your, for lack of a better term, your control network for, mm -hmm. for your right. mapping and, and all the ties. Yes. And... Um, that looks pretty extensive as well. Um, and do all of the districts or all of the, the entities that are involved utilize that same control network for things like uh, uh, ties to property and you know the kind of things that you might find in a courthouse or something like that? Yeah, it's, it's certainly available for that use. Um, our partnership um, logic, Louisville-Jefferson County Information Consortium, we decided to push for uh, creation of a countywide monumented uh, survey control network for a number of reasons, actually. Uh, we found that um, 
the hottest developing areas in our community really didn't have any control out there. So plats and plans and, you know, utility uh, plans and the like, they were being arbitrarily controlled. And uh, particularly the plats, uh, boundary surveys and the like, um, which would be cogoed in, uh, passed off to our property assessor, uh, the PVA office, we were finding that our property data was not really as accurate as it should be, map-wise, not surveying-wise. So um, that combined with the fact that every time we reflew, we acquired new aerial imagery and now LIDAR and, and what have you, uh, we were spending probably fifty, sixty thousand dollars each flying uh, to have surveyors go out and select photo control and you know tie them to networks and so forth. Uh, plus, our community um, actively participates in FEMA's uh, community rating system, and uh, we, uh, by having a control network, uh, a maintained control network, uh, particularly elevation data. We actually, our, our folks who live here actually get a, uh, a reduction on their flood insurance. So a number of factors caused us to say, look, this is, there's some real return on putting a monumented network in the ground. So we placed, um, I think there are somewhere in excess of 250 uh, monumented control uh, across Jefferson County, and they kind of nudge into Oldham County, Shelby, Bullitt. Um, and uh, we, we, annually maintain that network. We have a good relationship with local surveyors. If they're out in the field and they find maybe a, a monument's been disturbed or, or destroyed, they let us know uh, through the website, and uh, we try to reset those and keep that network uh, uh, well-maintained. Gen it generally follows about a two-mile grid, so there's a control monument um, in the approximate area of the two-mile grid vertices. But... Um, for example, we reflew Jefferson, Oldham, and Bullock counties this past spring, and essentially what what we do is just pass off that uh, control point layer to our uh, aerial imagery mapping contractor, and they select a strategic number, you know, to suitably control the ortho images and, and lidar and so forth, and uh, they go out and panel those, you know, and they're visible in the aerial photography, and and they can. Uh, control their imagery and uh, and their base mapping and so forth from that. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a really uh, good system, it seems to me, that you have set up there. Um, well, another reason we, we put the, uh, I mentioned the, the property data that was, our map data seemed to be, as far as properties, boundaries, our PVA maintains all of their land records within our GIS boundaries and, and the like. And um, our local um, land development regulations kind of had a hole in the regulations. It said, you know, if you're, I think, within a mile of an existing control monument, you, you need to tie your boundary survey or plat to that. But as I said earlier, you know, the hottest developing areas of our county were largely devoid of control. So having that uh, network in the ground, our local planning authority here um, decided to put some teeth in the regulations that you've, you've got to tie all of your plats to this control network that's that's in the ground. Now, that's resulted in better surveys, uh, more consistent work coming in from engineers and, and surveyors and the like, and, you know, putting my GIS manager hat on. That's allowed our property data that comes in, it's tied to really solid control network 
So our so our PVA they don't have to rubber sheet or warp you know any of the boundaries. They basically take that plat uh, that's been uh, cogoed in and tied to a solid control network, and they just drop it right into our into their parcel database. So uh, it's allowed us to put some teeth in our in our local uh, uh, land development regulations as well. So it, and it, the bottom line is, it's just resulted in much better property data uh, in our GIS. Yeah, that that makes great sense. We're thirty seconds out from our first break. When we come back, I, I want to talk a little bit more about that. Although it's not specifically the the topic we're going to talk about today, sure. but, but it it ties in really closely with something I've been talking to the. Uh, property records industry association folks about and trying to do the same kind of thing that you're doing you know really all across the country if possible uh and and that's i know it's a big undertaking going forward but uh it, it's good to hear that you guys are doing that because it fits right into that conversation so when we come back i do want to talk to you about that just a little bit more before we move on sure so let's do that first break we'll be right back okay Want to know if your Shonsted locator is still under warranty? Go to Shonsted.com and click on Warranty Finder in the lower left-hand corner. Enter your six-digit serial number, and it will tell you everything you need to know. Out of warranty? Click on Repair Department. But here's a tip. Before sending it in, pick up a $25 discount by going to Specials and Sales under the Buy Now tab at www.schonstedt.com. Obamacare is failing. We all know that, but you need to know why and what you can do to get us back on the right track. Visit us at ObamacareWatch.org. This is Grace Marie Turner of the Galen Institute. Join us at ObamacareWatch.org. Quick Stakes is your answer to staking. Lightweight, easy to ride on, easy to use, easy to find, and won't break your back carrying them like the old-fashioned wooden stakes. Have you tried a sample? If not, get a pen and paper and write down this number, 800-438-0387, or go to quickstake.com, that's Q-U-I-K-S-T-A-K-E.com, and order your samples. Ask your surveying supply dealer for quickstakes today. Attention surveyors, Seanstead announces the Maggie, the next generation magnetic locator. The Maggie combines the best features of two flagship Seanstead products, the sensitivity and precision of the GA52CX and the visual display and single-handed operation of the GA92XT. Contact your dealer for details or go to www.seanstead.com. Seanstead, the best just got better. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the Kurt and Kurt Show today. Uh, I won't get to say that too often, so I'll say it as much as I can today. Uh, as we were going to the break, Kurt, you were talking about the, the use of your system, your control network, and, and I was going to ask you a question that I think you already answered, but um, and, and it was in relation to some conversations I've been having recently with the Property Records Industry Association folks who are the, the recorders of deeds and, mm-hmm. and those kind of folks, and um, everybody in surveying knows, and lots of other people know too, and you even alluded to this earlier, how much tighter, if that's the right terminology Mm -hmm. to use, your property data information is now that surveys are tied, and and the question I was going to ask, and that I think you already answered, was when surveys occur, 
whether, for, regardless of the reason, even if the reason is uh, I own 10 acres and I want to know where my property boundaries are. Mm-hmm. Um, if the, the theory is, in this conversation I've been having with Priya, is that if those surveys could get tied into a record system um, as the um, underlying or the definitive authoritative document for that property, mm-hmm. I, I think we would would solve a lot of the issues that people seem to have where that doesn't occur right. when there isn't any survey draw plat or anything to go on, and all you have is an maybe a, a hundred year old deed description right. that's been rubber sheeted in or and and then had coordinates applied to it just because of the GIS. And then people tend to start looking at that as where it really is. And and of course we surveyors complain about that a lot. Sure. Um, but it seems like the kind of system that you guys have got and the same that same conversation going on with these folks and other people in the country. Uh, I was talking to a lady in Wisconsin in particular where they actually do that in their county government. Mm-hmm. Um that would, I, in my opinion, that would make everybody's life easier over time. And and from what I hear from her, and you may or may not be able to substantiate this, but surveyors would say, well, if I do that, then um, nobody will ever need my services again. But that's not true no, because no. Survey, surveys are only good the day you did them. So, so you don't know what's changed in the meantime. And so what she told me was typically what will happen is when somebody comes in and has a comment about their property or whatever – then they'll say, well, you know, that's not a current survey. It was a survey five years ago. Right. And people end up going back to that same survey or so. In a sense, it's a business tool. Sure. <laughs> and I is. don't know if that happens for you guys or not. But. Well, it does. And and the the as I mentioned earlier, the, the control network we, we installed here, uh, we had some, you know, internal business need uh, for that. And it's it's definitely been a very good return on investment. But it's also a public resource. I mean, um, we have a number of surveyors for whatever purpose, boundary surveys, utility work, what have you. Uh, you know, they know about uh, that network. They use it. Uh, they let us know uh, if, if a particular monument's been disturbed and, and there's, there's interest here in keeping it healthy. So now let me qualify. I'm a mapper. I'm not a surveyor, so, you know, I, I would not presume to talk survey science, but uh, in one of our earlier conversations, you know, I told you, I said, uh, you know, everything's on computer now, and uh, a lot of folks assume that, uh, you know, well, it came from the, you know, it's on the computer, so it's got to be perfectly accurate. Uh, Correct. There's, there's no such thing as perfect map, whether it's on paper or parchment or in a computer system, but what it's done for us here, uh, l- let me talk through one practical example. I mentioned we we refly Jefferson Oldham Bullock counties about every three years. Well, development has taken place all during that time. So our our PVA planning folks, what have you, they would get these these plats and what have you that were not tied to any network. They'd have to rubber sheet them in, get them to you know put the square peg in the round hole in the database, so to speak. Then we'd fly a year or two, three later and all that area is built up, well, it created a massive workflow problem to go back and adjust those lines so, you know, you want the houses to fall within the right platted properties and the, and the roadways within easements and rights-of-way and so forth. So um, we really don't have to do that here now. When, with, with the plats and plans and so forth tied to this network, they literally just drop in where they're supposed to be. 
So not at a survey accuracy, you know, we, we lay no claim to that at all. But um, from the GIS perspective, uh, it has saved a lot of local work adjusting and rubber sheeting and, you know, backfilling properties once new aerial photography is online. But, um, you know, this is a, the network we put in the ground. It's open. It's available for, for public use. Um, and it is pretty widely used here. And, and as I was sort of alluding to there earlier, the, the beauty of all of that from the server's perspective is that although, as you said, that, that drawing that you're looking at isn't perfect as is no map or anything, but it actually has a tie back to an actual survey. Yes. And, and that's, that's the beauty of it from my perspective, and I think from the most surveyors' perspective, is that it, it's building a, a framework, if you will, that provides actual survey data on property rather than, you know, data accumulated some other way. That's right. So, And I think that's so that especially important extent. in a meets-and-bounds state like Kentucky. I mean, yeah, uh, yeah. And, of course, we all of us here on the eastern side of the world are, are accustomed to that. And, yeah. Uh, you know, we always tell, joking, I think I've said this on the radio show one time before, when I, working in the mountains where I grew up on, you know, working with deeds sometimes a couple of hundred years old, um, measuring in the mountain, if, if my distance was was longer than their distance, I knew I had a problem because they measured everything on the ground and we were, right. you know, doing the horizontal measurement. Yep. Um, but, but you're right, and it's particularly true, and, and it's not untrue for the public land states, it's just certainly is absolutely true for us. Mm-hmm. No question about that. Now, do, do you have, and I think you and I maybe at one time talked about Ross McKay, uh, my buddy, and I think mm-hmm. yours, um, and, and the whole NGS process. And so I'm, I'm assuming that what you're doing is obviously tied to their overall framework. Well, uh, it's interesting. When we were strategizing, I guess, about this network and so forth, uh, did, you know, do we want to blue book a certain number of these monuments and so forth? We, we decided not to. Um, uh, the the, the information certainly available, um, and, and our control network is not entirely, does not conti- entirely consist of all new monuments. Uh, when we laid in this approximate two-mile grid, um, we relied on surveyors to tell us, okay, what what federal monuments are good, what state monuments are good, reliable, and so forth. And we kind of tilted that grid. It kind of runs northwest to southeast and southwest to northeast. It's kind of tilted on an angle. And the reason for that is the, uh, the primary axes of that grid run through certain federal or state control uh, that are pretty reliable here. So we do incorporate state and federal control uh, that existed at the time and, and uh, still does actually uh, into our network. We take our own measurements and you know loop closures and, and uh, perform adjustments and so forth. But uh, we decided uh, not to blue book uh, any of our monuments. Well, most I, I will refer to people like me as land surveyors who are not geodesists. Mm-hmm. Um, Historically, saying blue booking to a land surveyor was almost like calling up the boogeyman. Well, you know, I'm sure it, it, you, you add, you know, maybe some magnitudes of accuracy, but, you know, it, it really, 
for us, it would have tripled the cost of placing right. and measuring in the monuments. So it's a local control network. We do tie to state and federal monuments. We incorporate those into into the network. But uh, we didn't really publish or blue book or, or run it through NGS or anything. Yeah, and I, I don't I don't really have any information about how common or uncommon that is. Um, and, and with technology being what it is, even when I talk to my friends over at NGS, um, you know, the whole concept of, of blue booking as we knew it mm-hmm. um, is is in a different situation now just because of technologies and all those kind of things. Sure, and for local surveys, <laughs> for boundary surveys, for mapping control, uh, project control, for engineering projects and the like, uh, this is what we've got in the ground fully meets those needs. Right. I, I, I can understand that for sure. A few minutes ago you mentioned... Uh, FEMA's rating system, mm-hmm. and just for the sake of our listeners, uh, a lot of people will know what that is, but for those who don't, maybe you can just expound on that just a little bit. Yeah, I, I, I'm not a floodplain engineer or flood management engineer, but well, as I understand it... are either, so. Okay. <laughs> but um, there there are, if, if a community meets, um, a, there are a number of criteria. Um, uh, the community will receive a certain discount on flood insurance that uh, you know folks live in the floodplain they need to need to get flood insurance obviously uh, and and one of those components of cost reduction is uh, and I don't remember if it's three percent five percent whatever is the simple fact that we maintain uh, accurate vertical information on these uh, on these uh, monuments they're all you know they all have XYZ information we set them in intervisible pairs so there's a you know there's a primary and a buddy point and they can be used uh, interchangeably but there are there are a number of uh, criteria uh, I think you have to have a, uh, a flood management plan um, accurate yeah. mapping there's a number of criteria I can't I can't recite them chapter and verse but I do know that our community and does get uh, uh, a percentage reduction in their Flood and their local flood insurance by virtue of the fact we maintain this control network. And I, I would think having that kind of information probably has some impact on. There's a there's a, a FEMA application called Letter of Map Amendment. Right, exactly. Where, you know, where yeah. people can think they want to be out of the flood zone. Although with all that's happened in the last few years with floods i'm not sure anybody's ever out of the zone these days because people are getting harmed okay? even if they they don't and and actually that we have a program here i talked about on the radio show a few times she was my buddy gary thompson you may know gary over in north carolina right um we talk he's he's very well schooled in and all and things FEMA, uh, as is Wendy Lathrop, who's our, our, our person on the advisory team to FEMA. But um, the better your information is, I guess, and, and Gary has proved that out, and you guys, I'm sure, are doing the same kind of thing. The yeah, we actually have, we've, our GIS team developed an application some years ago where folks can go online, query our map data, uh, navigate by address, look at their property, look at uh, location of buildings, and so forth. And and the application, the, the the GIS application, will actually tell them if they're definitely in the floodplain, definitely out of the floodplain, or if there's a little gray area, you need to come see the sewer district for a final determination. But MSD has uh, required that um, any surveys, any measurement of first floor elevations, 
actually originate from our network. They're, they require that you've, you've got to come off of uh, one of the local control points for that first floor elevation. Believe it or not, we're at our second break. So oh, okay. let's do that and we'll be right back. Attention surveyors, Seanstead announces the Maggie, the next generation magnetic locator. The Maggie combines the best features of two flagship Seanstead products, the sensitivity and precision of the GA52CX and the visual display and single-handed operation of the GA92XT. Contact your dealer for details or go to www.seanstead.com. Seanstead, the best just got better. Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. Quick Stakes is your answer to staking. Lightweight, easy to ride on, easy to use, easy to find, and won't break your back carrying them like the old-fashioned wooden stakes. Have you tried a sample? If not... Get a pen and paper and write down this number, 800-438-0387, or go to quickstake.com, that's Q-U-I-K-S-T-A-K-E.com, and order your samples. Ask your surveying supply dealer for QuickStakes today. Want to know if your Seanstead locator is still under warranty? Go to Seanstead.com and click on Warranty Finder in the lower left-hand corner. Enter your six-digit serial number, and it will tell you everything you need to know. Out of warranty? Click on Repair Department. But here's a tip. Before sending it in, pick up a $25 discount by going to Specials and Sales under the Buy Now tab at www.seanstedt.com. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. When Kurt and I were on the break, we were talking about uh, partnerships of sort, and and you had mentioned to me in an earlier break the the age of the partnership for this particular uh, system that you've got, but you were also talking about that relationship that you guys have with CAPS, and, and maybe you can tell the audience a little bit about that original partnership, that 30-year-old 30 30 year old partnership, and how sure. it began, how it's evolved, and those kind of things, and then uh, the whole value of that partnership with CAPS, too. Sure. Yeah, Logic began, I guess, 30-some years ago. Uh, again, a major uh, impetus was the need that the Metro Sewer District had for good mapping and, and, and so forth. So... Um, the uh, MSD actually fronted uh, some capital uh, to fund a feasibility study, the original mapping of Jefferson County, and um, uh, not surprising to anybody, the uh, feasibility study showed that you know an automated mapping system, a shared system, would definitely work. Uh, had uh, many areas of return on investment and so forth. So um, our our partnership, our GIS partnership here, Logic, consists of uh, Metro Louisville. At the time, we had a separate city-county government, Jefferson County and, and City of Louisville. They obviously they merged early 2000s. So our partners, our current partners, consist of Metro government, and that means all agencies and departments under Metro government, from parks to police to planning and everyone in between. Also, our Louisville Water Company is a partner in, in our GIS consortium, as is the Metro Sewer District and our uh, uh, 
our Jefferson County PVA. Um, over the years, we, you know, it, GIS, like anything else, starts with a good foundation. So uh, uh, ortho imagery, uh, base mapping, plan topo mapping. The next layer we jumped into was uh, parcel mapping, converting PVA's uh, pen and ink drawings of property uh, as a layer in our GIS. And, and after that, we built uh, site addresses and street center lines and address ranges. And... Uh, you know, I can talk mapping and projections and coordinates and so forth, but the real, the universal coordinate system for any municipal GIS is address. Um, currently, our addresses, street center lines, address ranges are ma maintained by our emergency response agency, MetroSafe, in Louisville. And it seemed once we had those layers in place and they were being maintained that it just, it just took off. I mean, our planning department, parks, um, LG&E, now, uh, while they're not a partner in our GIS, uh, we have a data exchange agreement with, uh, with LG&E here. So it kind of grew over time. Um, uh, partners uh, decided that uh, they needed to create a essentially a GIS department to support the entire partnership. So that's uh, the team that uh, we have here. Uh, logic technical team. So we, we provide uh, database management, application development, user support, training, keep the system up and running, healthy, accessible, and so forth. Um, and we've been doing that for, I guess, close to 30 years anyway. Um, so that's the GIS partnership. We also have a really good, solid working relationship with CAPS, not just us here in Louisville, but um, our statewide uh, GIS and Mapping Professional Association, CAMP, the Kentucky Association of Mapping Professionals, closely collaborates with CAPS. Uh, we participate in each other's conferences. We, we conduct workshops for each other. A uh, really good one I attended at our, our GIS conference a few years ago. Members of CAPS taught a day-long seminar uh, entitled uh, Surveying 101 for GISers, and uh, it was a really good uh, uh, really solid workshop. So uh, we partner with uh, with CAPS. Um, a a subcommittee of CAMP um, collaborated a couple years ago with State Board of Licensure here uh, and CAPS to take a look at model law and you know how do we make a distinction between the practice of GIS and mapping and surveying. Um, I know. Um, the movement across the country, notably in the South, to put uh, GIS and mapping activities under the purview of a surveyor. And uh, at our very first uh, committee meeting, um, we reached very quick consensus on the fact that we GISers don't know surveying, don't don't want to. That's a separate profession. We honor that profession, and uh, the surveyors feel the same thing, same way about GIS and mapping. But we did collaborate uh, and come up with a clarified version of uh, the list of exclusions from land surveying that um, both the surveyors and the GIS and mapping community have agreed to use as an education uh, tool. Um, you know, I, I tell people the great thing about GIS is that anybody can make a map. The dangerous thing about GIS is that everybody can make a map. And uh, the assumption is it's coming out of, com out of a computer. Um, so, I, you know, I feel safe in saying that there's probably some unwitting GIS use going on out in the state that uh, maybe is being passed off as more accurate than it is. Um, and by the same token, 
I can't have, we can't have a solid GIS here without the work of land surveyors. I mean, it, it, it controls our base. It controls our imagery, our plan topo mapping, which in turn is what we, you know, where we put our, our land records and our address locations and so forth. So, you know, surveying and GIS and mapping, they're not competing professions. They're really complementary professions. Uh, we build off, off the good work that surveyors do here and, and uh, develop our GIS from that. So a lot of good collaboration, visionary leadership here um, has maintained uh, the partnership, the GIS partnership here. We're jointly funded. We're jointly governed. Um, I have many bosses. Um, but uh, over time, you know, we started with one or two layers. At last count, I think there's something like 800 layers in, in our GIS that uh, we use for doing our work. Um, GIS is not an academic exercise in Louisville. It's a it's a it's a workhorse. It's how we maintain our land records, addresses, utility infrastructure, all of our political boundaries, jurisdictions, service areas, uh, floodplains. Um, our GIS here is the authoritative repository for FEMA floodplains in our community. So uh, it has a lot of uses, and uh, uh, we're we're pretty proud of the partnership here and the collaboration that's gone on over the past nearly thirty years. Yeah, that that's a really good um, model, actually, that you just described in terms of your relationship uh, with the with the survey community. Um, because uh, all of us, and anybody listening to this show, certainly knows <laughs> all the issues that have come up over time. And and uh, it was interesting you were talking about the model law and and you guys going through and and clarifying certain things for your for the way you guys are. are and when I talk about you, I'm talking about the surveying and the GIS community. Sure. Um, they are user, utilizing the data, uh, processing the data, whatever using means. Um, it, I was just in a discussion not long ago um, with a group that I'm involved in uh, nationally on uh, the use of the term authoritative, mm-hmm. because yep. that shows up in the in the model law. Right. And and in the discussion, um, obviously we in the survey community look at authoritative a particular way and have mm-hmm. a specific meaning for what that is. And, so, and I think that's what begs that question that I'm sure you guys must have asked each other. Yeah. Authoritative for what purpose? There was there was a, a good bit of discussion about that term. Um, you know, authoritative to a surveyor, exactly right. Authoritative to a surveyor means one thing. Authoritative to a, a mapping professional means something quite different. For instance, exactly, yeah. um, you know, the fact that the correct address point falls within the the parcel polygon that represents my property, that's authoritative. You know, when I query that address, it's going to take me to the right location. Now, what's the precise location of that address? You know, I don't care as long as my front door, my house, you know, it doesn't matter. So, yeah, there was there was a good bit of discussion about the, the term authoritative. For instance, uh, our, you know, spatial analysis or maps so forth, have been used in court cases here, you know, to locate, you know, was this drug arrest within a certain distance of a school or so forth. Well, the court considered, you know, that map-based outcome as authoritative. Um, To a surveyor, may not have been, you know, depending on are you, you know, so many hundred feet from the property corner, well, then where is the property corner? Uh, So many feet from the corner of the building, well, where is the building? Um, I think it's important for GIS professionals to understand and apply disclaimers to 
you know, inform even citizens, you know, how accurate the map data is that we're working with. For instance, the mo positionally, aside from the control network we put in the ground, positionally the most accurate data we have in our mapping systems probably are our ortho imagery and our plan topo mapping. Well, that's accurate to within, what, 0.67 of, of a foot, you know. So that's pretty accurate, you know, to a mapper. To a surveyor, not so much. So, uh, yeah, we need, to, we need to have a better understanding of, of uh, you know, our, our mutual terms, and authoritative was certainly one of them. And one, one of the things that gets difficult uh, in, the, in the environment we're all in, and, and everybody, no matter what group we're in, we, we kind of get caught up in the, in the, the uh, aura of, of the way we can do things these days. Yeah, right. But, but one of the things that kind of gets lost sometimes, and sounds like you guys are handling that quite well, is, is that uh, property boundary locations are not numbers. They're, they're monuments in, of some right. kind. Yes. Uh, at, at least in theory, <laughs> monuments of, of some kind. You, you have a subdivision map, and you hope those pins are where they're supposed to be. That's right. Uh, or even have even been placed, for that matter. Mm -hmm. um, so, but yeah, it does have a different connotation, and and that I brought that up, hoping to hear exactly what I heard from you, which which was that it's it's an issue we all have to think about, and uh, from both angles where. That, that authoritative word gets thrown in there because um, it does have different definitions depending on where you are, and, and nothing is is just one way. I mean, you know, it, it means different things, like I said before, to different people. Sure. Well, to, to you know, GIS professionals, we, we have a certification, GISP. It's in our code of ethics to not allow, knowingly allow the misuse of any of our resources, our data and so forth. Uh, it's easy to do. It's easy to, you know, abuse this sexy stuff. You, you know, you pull off a computer, whether it's Google Earth or, you know, our local data, what have you, and assume too much. So it's important to put uh, data qualifiers, how the data was created, so forth. It's, it's very important to build metadata into the data itself uh, that explains vintage, uh, provenance, date, you know, um, how the data was created. Uh, to include a disclaimer, um, had a fellow some time ago. I don't know if you're coming up on a break or not, but uh, got about thirty seconds. Oh, in about thirty seconds. Well, we'll we'll save this story for the for maybe the next section. Yeah, we can. We'll pick up with that when we come back. But right. um, you mentioned working through your organization, and I'll just put the plug in for organizations, whether it's a surveying organization or a GIS organization or a realtors organization or whatever it may be. They have the opportunity to help. Their practitioners understand these things if they'll mm -hmm. if they'll do that and and I'm hopeful that that all of us do that well. So let's go to break and we'll come right back with your with your example. <laughs> okay. Well, what the want to know if your Shonstead locator is still under warranty? Go to Shonstead.com and click on Warranty Finder in the lower left-hand corner. Enter your six-digit serial number, and it will tell you everything you need to know. Out of warranty? Click on Repair Department. But here's a tip. Before sending it in, pick up a $25 discount by going to Specials and Sales under the Buy Now tab at www.schonstedt.com. Is your answer to staking? Lightweight, easy to ride on, easy to use, easy to find, and won't break your back carrying them like the old-fashioned wooden stakes. Have you tried a sample? 
If not, get a pen and paper and write down this number, 800-438-0387, or go to quickstake.com, that's Q-U-I-K-S-T-A-K-E.com, and order your samples. Ask your surveying supply dealer for quickstakes today. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. And we're back with Kirk Bynum today. We're talking about the Logic, the, the control system that he works in out in the Louisville area. And as we were going to break, you you had a, a story you were going to relate to us. Yeah, it's just uh, it, just an example. Um, some time ago, I got a call from a fellow. He said uh, he was somewhat familiar with GIS and what we had and so forth. And he started quizzing me about the data we had in the system. He said, um, "You've got, you've got, uh, uh, you've got my house mapped and driveway and fence line and property lines and all that." And I, yeah, we do. And you know, right away, I'm getting that tickle of, "Okay, where's this going?" And I said, "What is it you need?" He goes, "Well, I need somebody to make me a map." I said, "At what scale?" And he said, "Oh, I don't know. One inch equals ten feet." Now alarms are going off because that, you know, pushes way past any kind of. Uh, People think you make a large map, it gets more accurate, I guess. <laughs> yeah, but, make sure uh, they're going to build something. <laughs> <laughs> right. And uh, I said, what is it you're trying to do? He goes, well, uh, I, I need a map showing my house, my fence line, my property line, and my neighbor because he's got a row of trees, and I think those trees are on, on my property, not his. And I said, no, 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 we're not, we're not doing that. You need to call a surveyor. Uh, he was actually thinking about taking this guy to court. So you just have to understand, you know, the limitations of, of use of the digital map data and GIS in general. Uh, it's very easy to, you know, you can think something is scaleless, which essentially it is in a GIS. I can zoom into, you know, a ridiculously large scale, but uh, you don't improve the accuracy of the map data by doing that. Uh, it's still tied to its original compilation scale. So... Um, you know, we just have to be on guard about that kind of thing. Um, qualify our data, uh, build solid metadata so that anybody gets their hands on this data uh, if it's in an open environment, how it was created, limitations, and so forth. So we get requests like that from time to time where, you know, we as GIS pros say, nope, you've just crossed the line. You need to, you need to get in touch with a surveyor. You're going to take somebody to court or... Buy and sell property, divide property. You need a surveyor involved in that. Mapping system's not going to do that for you. One thing you mentioned when we were on the break that would be good for the audience to know is is what you referred to as your web-based control app. Sure. Yeah. The um, uh, as soon as we put the the network in the ground, uh, we said, look, we this needs to be open to anyone and everyone, and needs to use it. Certainly, the professional surveying community, engineers, developers, and the like. So uh, we created um, an interactive web map that allows you to query the control, navigate to an area based on address, uh, or by control monument name, you know, if you're that familiar with it. But but essentially go to your project area and just kind of see where the control uh, lies. Um, You can... uh, Click on one of the control points, and the control sheet comes up that gives a whole set of information, uh, X, Y, Z, um, lat long, uh, correction factors, so forth. And the control sheet also has a location description in text, uh, a to-find sketch, 
um, and an actual photo of the monument itself. So um, that, that web-based uh, application is accessible uh, through our website, www.logic.org. And uh, we also have a communication tool built in there, kind of a, um, a comment uh, tab, a way to let us know, say, hey, Kurt, I tried to use this monument, and it's destroyed. I can't find it. Um, and that helps, um, you know, more people that use it and let us know how healthy the network is. Uh, we rely on comments, feedback from uh, the surveying community to tell us, okay, we need to reset a certain monument or this area, you know, has got a hole in it. We need to we need to place another monument uh, next maintenance pass. So uh, it's very easy to use. It's also the latest version is uh, mobile friendly. You can use the uh, location capabilities uh, in your mobile device to kind of see where you are in relation to the, the monuments you're trying to find. So, um, and we get feedback from the surveying community about additions, revisions, you know, how to make it better. And um, it's out there for, uh, for the surveying community to use. So what do you think down the road? I mean, you, you, ha you have a really great system and are are you at the point where at this time, point in time you're in uh, just keeping things operating well, uh, or I guess nobody knows what the next big thing is? <laughs> Bigger, faster, better. Uh, <laughs> two things that uh, we're paying particular attention to uh, is first of all, mobile. You know that's just how the world is. Um, any you know our mapping. Uh, increasing our capabilities for mobile GIS to allow folks to take this out in the field. Uh, crowdsourcing, you know, having the public tell us what's going on in their neighborhood, where facilities are, things that have changed. Uh, this building is now demolished, you know. Um, the other thing for us is uh, open data. Um, years ago, uh, when we first started in GIS, there was no Google Earth, there was no Amazon, nothing like that. And the data we, we built had value. And um, Kentucky is somewhat unique in that our open records laws here allow for the dissemination of GIS products based on either the commercial or non-commercial nature of the request. If it's a non-commercial, you essentially get the data for free. You know, there might be some processing cost or what have you. But if a developer came to us and said, you know, I'm going to develop this 100-acre tract of land. Uh, I need these 14 data layers clipped out by my project area. And, oh, by the way, convert your geodatabase to a CAD format so I can pull it into my design system. Um, they don't get that for free. That's a custom service. But we are looking at creating uh, a very large open data portal to allow folks to, to go in and pull down uh, on a countywide basis uh, most of our data layers. Now, there are going to be some like, you know, the PVAs are, they operate in a little, little different open records uh, situation. Um, but, um, and utilities, uh, utility infrastructure, there's a, you know, that's sensitive data. But uh, other data in our GIS, we're, we're looking very hard at uh, creating an open data portal to allow folks to pull down this local GIS data and Use it however they see fit. I think that's a that could very well be a a good economic development stimulus. Having that data, rather than trying to recover the cost of building it, it you know we're 
we're looking to leverage the value of the resource we've created by making it more open. So those are, for us anyway, those are the next big, th big things. Mobile crowdsourcing and open data. The, the big thing on everybody's, uh, on at their tongues, if not their minds these days, is the whole, uh, I don't like the term necessarily, but the whole drone thing. Yeah. You you seen any implications there at all? I, I'm, I'm looking for ways to put a nice head, drone in my in my capital budget, you know, for next year <laughs> or something. No, they have a they have a terrific use. We you know we fly every two three years, but as soon as you capture that imagery, it's going out of date. There's been you know a right. lot of development in Louisville and so forth. So we're we're going to be looking at uh, you know the cost benefit of. Uh, Getting into drone technology, um, I think I think that's a that's a really coming technology. I could see us updating our imagery, uh, updating even even our lidar, uh, getting into drone technology. Now we may decide to contract that out rather than actually buy a drone ourselves. But uh, yeah, that, that that has a lot of potential for keeping our especially our imagery more up to date. Yeah, they're becoming so ingrained in, in society. I, I I may have mentioned this on the show before. I don't know. My son's a high school teacher. He teaches a, a STEM type class right. in high mm -hmm. school in in a little middle of nowhere town I grew up in in the Blue Ridge Mountains in Southern Virginia, and, and they have a drone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Incredible. it's just kind of interesting that that it's become like a pencil almost. Yep. <laughs> I mean, it's it's just amazing to me that the, the technologies that we have. Well, if I could, if I could convince our partners to just put a satellite up there, constantly looking at County, we'd never have to. We wouldn't have to just kind of hang over the county. Or, all that. Yeah, <laughs> watch things being built. Yeah, there you go. That that would be a, a really good thing. Well, I don't know if if there's anything else I have left out because I tend to get on tangents sometimes. Uh, and we got a two or three minutes left, but I wanted to give you the opportunity to, to cover anything else. And, and if you're not thinking of anything, I was going to ask you about your experiences in, in your adjunct instructor. Uh, <laughs> well, that, that was that uh, be fun. That's that's uh, the hardest I've, I think I've worked in my life. I, my, my daughter's <laughs> a high school teacher, and she told me when I took that on a few years ago at the University of Louisville, she said, Dad, you're going to work your tail off, and she was absolutely right. You know, I guess to wrap up, I, I I just like to emphasize that that you know GIS is more than Google Earth. It's more than you know something you find restaurants and restrooms and so forth, gas stations on your cell phone. Here, it's how it's how we do our work. It's how we manage and maintain our property records, our utility infrastructure, floodplains. Um, you know, it's it's uh, our E nine one one system here draws all of its address and, and uh, uh, district boundary, police district information, so forth. All of the spatial information that drives our 911 system here derives from our GIS. So it's, again, it's, it's a workhorse. It, uh, our work order permitting uh, permits are assigned within GIS. It's, it's important technology. And, uh, you know, Somebody asked me some time ago, said, why is it such a big deal? I said, well, it's very very simple. The realtors had it right all along. It's all about location, 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 and everything happens somewhere, whether it's the location of a manhole or a property corner or a crime incident. Uh, everything has place, and that uh, leveraging the power of place is uh, within a GIS is uh, 
it's really how we do our work here. And and you're so right. I mean, truly, whatever's going on location is is a big deal. I, I was driving up 81 yesterday trying to get home from back here from from the mountains, and I was. Um, I've always pronounced this Wazi, but I think the proper name is Waze. Waze, yeah. It's an app that mm-hmm. tells you when the road's blocked. And and uh, I was dodging back and forth from the arterial system to the interstate system. Yep. <laughs> it just, but but it just points out that you're right. Place is, is the important thing, and everything is somewhere. That's and right. The better we can understand where that somewhere is and what that what application applies to that somewhere, then, then the better off. We all are. So before we go on, I'll make sure if Doug, our buddy Doug Comer, is listening, thank you for for putting Kurt and me uh, together for this conversation because it's been a, a great one to have. And you guys truly have a great model, and uh, it'll be something that I, I will point to when I'm talking to people about a way to put things together so that it benefits everybody's purposes. So I really appreciate you being with me today Very and taking good. the time. and having being a good sport and uh allowing me to mess up the last time we tried (laughs) (laughs) well and i'll and uh to wrap up let me say something i don't say very often kurt it's been a pleasure talking to you (laughs) i appreciate that it's been talking with you too take care take care bye did you miss the show that you 